this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro, joined by... Rachel Jamison. <laughs> Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. We're getting rain here today. I feel like we haven't talked in a long time. I mean, we, we, uh, we've we been doing a lot of podcasts, but we just keep interviewing other folks again. And we have been only coming together every few weeks for a podcast episode. It's the busy days of summer. Yeah, yeah. it is. You've been it busy is. and I've been busy and it's pretty, well, it's hard. Tell me all about it. What have you been doing on your homestead? Well, depends on which one. <laughs> um, the small homestead, our suburban homestead, I've been canning and preserving and drying and um, making a few videos. Yeah. And uh, planting some fall crops and trying to figure out what to do with tons and tons of apples and blackberries, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Good problem to have. Yeah. 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 We got, that's what we did. And then we've had bees, like, I don't know, something about angry bees the last few days. So what, what kind of bees? Uh, yellow jackets at the property and here wasps. No. Yuck. Yeah. It was a wasp. Yeah. So Saturday I was stung three times in the face. What? At the property. Yeah. I think they're well, looking at you. You look like you healed. All right. Cause I'm not noticing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up having to take some Benadryl because my lip swelled up because I got stung right on the lip. And then um, last night, I got stung by a wasp in the back here oh, at, yeah. at home. So I don't know. It's just that time of year where um, the yellow jackets are really liking like the blackberries and all those sweet things. And we were picking blackberries. Yeah. So, and, and I don't know what about the wasp, but they're just kind of angry anyway. So, yeah, they're just, yeah, yeah. they're just stinkers. Um, yeah, we had some, uh, there's been a lot of bees around here. I, I was emptying out some, um, some raised beds. I was taking all the beds out, a few of the beds out, uh, not just the raised beds, but the ones in the ground, I was just cleaning them out and putting them to bed, a few of them. And there was just a ton of them in down in the grass and the weeds and the stuff. And I'm like clearing stuff and they were just. I don't know, like dozens of them coming up out of there. I was I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been stung in years. I mean, it has been years and years since I've been stung. And then I get it two days apart. I was kind of like, what's the deal here? I so. think the last time I got stung good is I, there was our back gate on our property. And I went to, I normally grab the handle and close it. And for whatever reason that day, I kind of just went up and grabbed the bottom of the, the top board. It's two boards were kind of sandwiched together at the top. And so there's kind of a gap between them at the top on the top boards and uh there was a nest up in there a wasp nest Ooh. up in there and well, i put my hand right up on it and i got stung like several times right in the palm of my hand and, oh it hurt so bad yeah, but, yeah. getting stung on my on my lip it was like right under my nose boy oh. that makes your nose run that didn't yeah that that sounds horrible and then i couldn't feel my lip the next day but uh yeah, that was fun. That's there. And then at our big homestead, the property, we've been planting rye, peas, radishes, and battling Japanese beetles. Really? They returned on you, huh? They did. Um, 
on my fruit trees. Not mm. as bad, but oh, I just yeah. I hate the things. Yeah, those those are those are horrible. I mean, I've only ever dealt with them one year. It's so funny how never had them for years, had them one year, haven't had them since. And it's been a yeah. few years now. It's the weirdest thing. I was just they just come in this swarms and and travel yeah. around that way. It's kind of weird, but yeah. Uh, of course, I probably aggravated the situation when I put one of those traps on my property. That's a those traps work at drawing them they really, do. really well. Uh, but I've heard you, you got a really small tra- property. You don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah, I've heard that. That's what I think. If I put one here at our suburban homestead, I'm going to ask our neighbors behind us have woods. <laughs> I'm going to ask, can I hang this out in your woods Go across away from all of our gardens? Yeah, or something You do not. There. It do attract them. Yeah, they'll bring them close. And uh, you, yeah, I had, like I said, it filled up in a couple of days. It brought them in by, you know, truckloads, but yeah, that's not good if you got a small property. Right. Yeah. And I've seen, I have a friend that has them out in the buckets full that he has, that mm-hmm. he's getting is just incredible. Yeah. He's composting them. Well, hopefully they're not migrating back down this way for next year because I don't want to deal with them again. But if that's I'm, case, we'll deal with it. Yeah. Oh, anyways, they're kind of they're not being very nice to my apple trees. And um, I don't know what to, you know, there's not much you can do other than shake them and drown them in soap and spray neem oil. And yeah, yeah. you got a lot of young trees out there, too. They're probably that's my concern. Yeah. yeah. Is that they're pretty young. It's not like it has a lot of leaves on. There's not a ton of leaves on them. so. Yeah. yeah, they're not bothering the pear trees. That's it's just wild to me how yeah they picked specific things. So they weren't touching our pear trees. They love the apple trees. They're doing nothing yeah. with the grapes, nothing with the mulberry. They're on the wild raspberries and blackberries, and they love um, milkweed. Love it. They were, they were on my grapes quite a bit. They like blackberries, raspberries. They tore them up. Uh, rose bushes, man, they demolished some rose bushes. Yeah, it was crazy how they liked them. Beans, they love the beans. Of course, yeah. all my beans are gone now. But... Oh, and here I noticed they like borage. Oh, really? Okay. My borage yeah. looks like a skeleton. All that's left is the. Yeah. They, it's crazy. They, they were doing that with the berries and, and the grapes too. Even my grapes were getting hit really hard, which was kind of you saying they're not bothering your grapes, but they were doing that to my grape leaves. No, they definitely yeah. prefer the apple. The apple trees are getting hit. Up and there. they weren't bothering my apple trees really that much, which mm. is kind of funny. That's weird. Yeah, it's weird how they work like that. Yeah, they kind of go in. Well, I'm hoping that this is the last year, but I don't know. I, I've ordered some traps, some pheromone traps, and I'm just going to very carefully place them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just watch where you put them. <laughs> Nowhere right. near yeah. where you want them. And then we'll be yeah. composting their little bodies. Yeah. Apparently, birds don't really like them. So. Yeah, I never seen any birds eating them. Yeah, they yeah. they're a, they're a difficult. I mean, it, I don't know. It's like I think there's probably worse. Yeah, you know, insects out there that could hit your property, but um, they're bad. I mean, they definitely, you know, they can definitely cause some some problems. I noticed when I was cleaning out those beds, I was ripping out. Um, now I'd been picking uh, my uh, I'd been picking my summer squash. Um, you know. And I've been picking a lot of zucchini and yellow squash and things like that. And, and I've had a ton of it. And I'm finally just like, I've had enough, you know, I'm going to clean out that bed and just do away with it. And uh, there was a few stragglers in there of kind of some small yellow squash that weren't real big. I just kind of left them in there and then they kind of started drying out rotting. Wow. I hadn't even noticed the squash bugs. I just hadn't oh. had an issue with them because they hadn't been bothering anything so far. 
but evidently they found it right there at the end. The squash that I had left in there were almost completely covered in squash bugs, like hundreds and hundreds on every little squash in there. I was like, wow, that's a lot of squash bugs. So it was kind of weird how I got, I basically got your flame weeder out and yeah, I just cleaned everything up and composted everything, but it was just, it was just kind of funny how I kind of beat them to it this year for the most part, because I hadn't even noticed one out there and I'd pick, I mean, I've picked dozens of squash and I I still have the whole pill bug thing. I just, that yeah, still boggles my mind. Why? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, there's bugs, but we're, we're kind of, kind of just this year, I kind of moved things around a little bit and it seemed like maybe it took them a little while longer to, to find them find the stuff or yeah something. well that's but, good i mean later is good because you got yeah. most of your harvest then so is yeah, your squash I, done yeah that is well i have some winter squash uh butternut okay. and acorn things like that um that's that crazy because yeah. we're just start i'm just starting to get zucchini really oh and yeah summer squash mini um yeah, I was sick of them. I, I bagged probably, I shredded. I mean, I made a lot of zucchini bread and stuff like that too, and fritters and things, but I probably bagged. I was just filling up gallon Ziploc bags and freezing it because I had so much of it, just shredding it and filling it up and freezing it. I don't yep. know. It, I probably got t- over 20 gallon oh, wow. bags of shredded zucchini wow. and I gave tons away every, as much as I, I could, you know, find people willing to take it anyway. <laughs> so wow. yeah plenty and i did can a bunch of uh, uh i just cubed up a bunch of uh, the yellow squash and, and canned it um so i put a bunch of those up too nice. so yeah yeah i did pretty good with the squash i had a good squash year uh bad pepper year great tomato year still i mean i left i actually went ahead and yanked out some of my tomato plants um and but i still have a few and yeah i've been a great tomato year we've i put a lot of those in the freezer and we've canned a lot of stuff too there um so yeah, it's been a good good cool. tomato year, but I'm getting tired of it already. And I thought, you know what? I just left yeah. the ones I left out there now are not for canning. They're just kind of for eating fresh tomatoes because I think I'm done canning them because I think I put up enough for me anyway. Or at least that's what I'm telling myself because I don't want to do anymore. <laughs> do you um, ever wonder how people do it if they have a longer season than us? Because I get I get burned out. I, I get do tired. too. I get, I'm I'm already tired of canning already. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder how people do it with a longer season, or maybe it's just slower. Like we stuff yeah. as much as we can in there because we know the season's short. Maybe theirs is just slower. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe somebody can fill us in on. We're that. getting it in more at once and just going at it. But yeah, and I've been doing the canning outside. I said I got everything still. I mean, I just leave everything outside on the table out there and on our deck. And go out there and do it because uh, and that has been way better than using the kitchen because oh, yeah. uh, you just don't have the me- as big of a mess and you just don't have the heat. And uh, so I've been just doing it all outside. Um, you guys have I, been a lot hotter than us, though. Oh, we really so have not hot, had. Yeah. We've had a few days. Uh, Sunday was miserable here. It was like 100 degrees here. But that's well, been. You're not been a lot hotter. Yeah, we're going to be like that. Like Thursday, I think it's going to be pushing 100. And you. But we were only like that one day and the rest of the time it's been like, we've been uh, nineties, you know, uh, low (laughs) nineties a lot, but high eighties, low nineties a lot. But, um, yeah, it hasn't been, I don't think we've hit a hundred maybe once. Hmm. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think we have maybe close, but I don't think we have, maybe the index has been, but we haven't actually hit it. It's felt hot though. It's felt really hot. That humidity really adds a lot. I've been out there a lot in it and it's felt, I don't know, it's felt really hot. So, uh, it's been one of them years. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, for me, it's been, I've been dealing more with livestock lately. It seems like I've been hatching some quail. Uh, I let my quail kind of get blended. You know, I I was dealing with 
tuxedos and you know and and the smaller brown quail and i'd kind of had j- jumbos at one point but they all kind of got I, I let them kind of mix you know and i was interbreeding a lot with the different types and it was just a, a free-for-all of what i was going to get you know and i really didn't really have any of the just pure jumbos anymore so i actually bought some jumbo quail eggs from a guy local here um and just went back to pure jumbo browns okay because you, they're just a little bit bigger eggs are just a hair bigger the the quail are quite you know i don't know maybe 10 15 bigger they're not big difference but it's enough if you're doing if you're if, if you're going to take up the same amount of space raising quail you might as well get as much meat as you can from them right right so i right. like i like having the jumbos so i did kind of try to you know purify my what i'm um raising again and go back to just jumbos so that's nice and 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 my rabbits are i just told you a little bit ago i got i'm in my office right now i've got my does that are pregnant <laughs> so um because it's really hot outside and i didn't want to put that stress on them so i got a couple cages set up here in the in my little office out here in the barn so they're not in my house they're in my barn so people know um nice. I have this office out here but i got them sitting over here in their cages and watching me talk so they're these are a good breed. I, I I got these ones. Um, what breed? These ones are New Zealand. They're a mix of New Zealand and Cali, which I've always had New Zealand, but I've never had a California New Zealand mix, and they're half and half. And there's something. They're the they're the most. Fr- I've never had rabbits this friendly. Uh, oh, I mean, nice. You carry these things around like puppies. I mean, they're just the most friendly. They love to be petted. They love to be carried. They just love it. Like my granddaughter comes out here and just handles them and they don't. Well, that's great. When I had pure New Zealands, they got a little bit of an attitude. They were kind of, they just weren't real personable. You know, they just. Yeah, they'll bite you and scratch you. They would bite and scratch. And yeah, my my wife, I thought she was going to have to have stitches one time. for. Oh my. Picked one. You know, I got to where I just always grabbed them, you know, by the scruff of the neck and pick them up and kind of cup their butt so you don't get scratched. Right. And uh, she didn't do that one time. She grabbed one and kind of just held it and it it kicked down her arm and it put probably a 10, 12 inch slice down her arm inside of her forearm. And uh, I was like, you know, we kind of bandaged her up, but it, it was bad enough. I was like questioning whether she's going to need stitches or not. It wow. ripped her open and, and they were just kind of on her. You had to be really careful how you picked them up and stuff. And now these ones are great. They're just great. And uh, to handle well, that's good stuff. to know, especially if you've got kids. I mean, it's just, yeah. Getting that homestead kid-friendly animal is always nice. Yeah, I used to not worry about it because I'm like, you know, I don't really want to be too friendly with my food anyway. But it is nice. It's nice when you do have to say you have to treat them for ear mites or something. You're going to Mm -hmm. pick them up and handle them and hold them. You don't want them going crazy and fighting you or or just whatever. You're just moving them in and out because I'll bring them from the the cages to the tractor and then back to the cages at certain times. And, you know, and and just moving them around and stuff. And it's just just so much easier if they're friendly, you know, so. Um, yeah, I actually think it's important now. And I used to not think it was important. And I'd probably even said that on a podcast in the past, right. that, you know, I don't handle them much, but I actually, I think it's important to handle them now and, and have friendlier animals that you can just kind of, yeah. you know, do when you with. have little ones running around, right. so and if grandkids are going to handle them and stuff, that's right. I don't want, I don't want them getting cut up or bit or something like that. So yeah, I do. I think it's important. And, uh, so yeah, um, then doing that, lots of harvesting, Lots of canning, lots of preserving, yep. and still a lot to go. I, I got to jump on these elderberries probably today or tomorrow and get these picked. I got a lot of I those. I saw your picture. Yeah, I got a lot of those right now, and the birds are starting to tear into them pretty heavy. So if I want to get as much as I can, I better get on it pretty soon or there, there isn't going to be any to pick because uh, they've been lighting into them. And the grapes, I still got to harvest my grapes. 
and start making some jelly. So uh, that's what the next. And they're, yeah, they're they're good and ripe. I've actually been eating quite a few, and they're really good this year. They're really sweet this year. Um, they're way better than they were last year, I think. Really, real a lot juicier. I don't know if just the weather's been right for them. There's something about good concords for for yeah, juice. Makes a great <laughs> juice and jelly. Yeah, really, really yeah. good stuff. So that's what's happening around here. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying busy, busy that. days of summer. It's that it's harvest busy. season, like August till like the end of September is so busy with harvest. And then we go right into hunting season. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. And actually our squirrel season, the hunting season's already started here. And I was going to go out last week, but then I kind of overdid it that one day out in the heat and then I didn't feel like it. And now it's so hot. I definitely wouldn't want to. So right. maybe next week it'll cool down just a little bit and I can get in the woods and do some squirrel hunting. Cause I'm getting excited about that. I love squirrel hunting. Yeah. I think hunting is a great part of homesteading too. I I'm going to pack on that. And you're actually going to do a, a talk. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to be doing a talk about that at the Indiana Homesteading yeah. Conference. And I think it's just a major part of homesteading. And it can, it can be whether you're, no matter what kind of homestead you have, urban homestead, you know, or a rural homestead, I think it's just, a, it can be a great part of your homestead. And uh, you don't need to own 100 acres to go hunting. I mean, there's a lot of public hunting around. There's, you can get in contact, which I don't want to turn into a hunting show. But yeah, there's just a lot of opportunity there. Mm -hmm. And you can put, you know, dozens or even hundreds of pounds of meat in your freezer through hunting season. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I think it's important to, to do if, if you're trying to put meat in your freezer and it's can be affordable if you do it right. So yeah. uh, it cannot be affordable if you don't do it right. <laughs> if you're, if it's more about, uh, hunting for fun and trophy hunting and things like that, ooh, it can cost you yeah, lots it of can money. Get, yeah. That can get pricey. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to have a fun topic today. I, I we, we were both kind of like, you know, it's, it's, we're doing a lot of work. We're kind of exhausted and, you know, let's just do something kind of fun and easy and uh, talk about something that, um, I don't know, I grew up, one of my favorite shows growing up, and I've heard you talk out quite a bit about it as well, one of my favorite shows growing up was Little House on a Prairie. And yep. I loved it. I mean, I, so there's, I think there's different kinds of people when it comes to Little House on a Prairie. There's a Little House book people, there's a Little House TV show people, and then there are people who are both. And I'm kind of both. I, I actually was introduced to first to Little House on Prairie with the TV show. And I didn't actually ever read the books till I was an adult. Um, Same here. Same. I, that how it was for you? Yeah. Yeah. I um I don't remember when. I mean, what you you wrote it down that it was the 1970, 1974. So yeah, yeah. It was just part of my childhood. Was it was watching, me too. And, watching and it, those shows. And um I wasn't much of a reader as a kid because I was kind of hyper. And I was more outside and running around. And mm -hmm. then when I became an adult, I started reading them to my kids. Yeah. And we loved them. We read all of them multiple times. And then we did like a homeschool curriculum. And my daughter, um, one of my daughters plays the fiddle because we read those books. And she didn't just play it for a short period of time. She has now played the fiddle for... Um, she is 26 and she has played the fiddle for 21 years. That's awesome. That's yeah. So and cool. all because of Pa. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. And you know what? I, in, in truth be known, we're going to talk about, you know, 12 things we learned about homesteading watching Little House on the Prairie today. But, you know, I would actually say that the Little House books probably have more good homesteading stuff in them yeah, than the TV yeah. show. The, the TV show really isn't about homesteading. 
no, it's just no. their life is homesteading. I mean, their life is they're living on a homestead, right? They're functioning as farm, their farm life. Yeah. And, and so you pick up on things and you learn things about homesteading and you kind of get inspired about homesteading with that show. But it's really not about that. That show is really about family and 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 struggles and faith community. and community and all those things. It's really more about that than it is about homesteading. But homesteading's in the background. And and the, when I was a kid, I loved that. You know, I'm looking at the farming, I'm looking at the chickens, I'm looking at the cows, I'm looking at the stuff. And I was fascinated by it. You know, I like I just loved the life. And that yeah. show was a big part of my growing up that I got to see what you know, we were doing a lot of things that are homesteading, you know, on our little property, even when I was a kid, but that was the more old ways of doing it that kind of mm-hmm. just fascinated me, you know? So there was things that inspired me. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So yeah. I just thought we would talk about a few of the things today that maybe I, I put the list together. Uh, you haven't said whether you I told you you could add things and you didn't add anything, but, you know, <laughs> so I guess you're, you're you might agree or disagree I with some of it. It looked pretty good. Um, I, I so, to remember things like it's yeah, been a yeah. long time, it's been a long time since I've watched books. them, too. But yeah, um, I, I, I think that these things I think as we talk about it, maybe some things things will come. I, I, they're kind of broad right. things that I yeah. think just the show overall. Uh, kind of maybe a, the show in the books. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of presents to you uh, and, and they're nothing that's like groundbreaking. I don't think here no, no. we're going to talk about, but I also think it's a fun topic and it's something that it, maybe there's folks who've never watched little house on the prairie. Uh, you know, we have listeners in other countries, even maybe that's they true. don't even know about little house on the prairie. Well, it, you know, it's, it's based on the books by Laura Ingalls Wilder. Um, there are nine seasons, 204 episodes, yeah. Spanning from 1974 to 1983. So there's a lot to watch there. Uh, and it's just an American drama about a family living on a farm in Walnut Grove, Minnesota, in uh, ranging from the 1870s to the 1890s. Um, so it's you know that era. It's um, interesting that that only covered Walnut Grove, considering the fact that they lived so well, many places. Except for the very first episode. Yeah. The very first, the pilot episode isn't a Walnut Grove. It was, they'd actually settled out west of like Kansas and they actually lost their homestead because mm-hmm. they was on the wrong side of the line Yep. of where the line was drawn for the territories. And they came in and moved them and they had to up everything and yeah, leave all their, leave their home basically. And then they landed in Walnut Grove uh minnesota so that's kind of like the beginning of it and then which is actually the walnut grove episode is actually the second episode where they land there which is also probably my favorite episode of the entire series really yeah i love that episode it's my gosh it's been so long i don't remember exactly i I can even tell you the title of it's called a harvest of friends and, and i love it i love that episode um i mean the first episode the pilot episode is great too but that's my favorite episode um, hmm. but the very first thing I think you learn by watching that show is that homesteading is hard work, but it's rewarding because you see them working 
very hard all the time. It's basically yeah. just a foundation of the show is how hard they're working. Paul's always out building something or taking care of animals or, you know, working at the sawmill or, you know, doing something. Ma's always in the kitchen cooking or doing laundry or yep. she's doing something. I mean, it's just hard work, you know, but they're happy. You know, they're a happy family. Yeah. And the kids, they're smiling when they're working together. And, and you know, I don't think that's unrealistic. I don't think it is at all. Oh, I, I don't mean, either. People no. think, well, it's a show. Of course, they're portraying like it's it's they're they're happy. But it's been my experience that it is it is hard work and it is rewarding and you are happy about it, you know, and you can have joy while you're doing it. Yeah, I mean that's been our experience too. And I've been around um, a lot of homesteaders. I, I've gone to a lot of homestead, other homesteads, I guess, and um, with the family and the kids, and it generally is you can. Be working really hard and sweating and yeah. doing something maybe not incredibly enjoyable, but mm-hmm. it's it's not it's rewarding and everybody knows it's not it all going to make you smile. No. But at no, t- but everybody it, it, loves it, like that bringing in the harvest, like yeah. all that hard work that it took to get there, or getting the fence up, or you yeah. know ha- hatching the eggs for your quail or whatever. It, yeah, even in the moment, maybe it's not the most joyful thing. But yeah. I can look. I don't. I, I don't know if I can look back on any of my work and not see that I didn't enjoy it to some degree or, or, or at least recognize how rewarding it was, you know, for my life. So I, I just think, yeah, that's a big message of that show is yeah. That, yeah, it's hard work. And family. Yeah. 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 And for the family. Kids and stuff. It's something they really tried to, I think, impart to the kids, you know, that hard work is a part of this life, but it's, it's a joyous part and it's a rewarding part. Um, I always told you my favorite episode is the very first episode where they're in Walnut Yeah, Grove. it's called a harvest of friends. And I, I think that's also another thing that I think is a, is a big message of the show is the importance of a community of friends. Um, the homes for homesteading community is important. We've been harping on this for the last year. Yes. How important we think community is. Um, that show definitely portrayed that. Oh, and it that, showed it. So many ways, so many ways. In that that very first Walnut Grove episode, which is the second episode, you know, they moved to Walnut Grove. They, they are, you know, building a community without even knowing it. Um, They get in a jam, you know, they, they, they basically, you know, they've made all these friends. They're, you know, they're, they're just doing things for people. People are doing things for them. They're building friendships and they don't even realize it, but then they're going to have a need real soon. And in that episode, Paul Ingalls gets, he falls out of a tree trying to get a kite for his kids, you know, breaks his rib, can't finish a job that he has agreed to do in town and trade for plow and seed. Their ox or or oxen are up on a, on a, you know, that they're going to have to give up their oxen because he didn't finish the job, but he can't finish the stacking this grain because he's got a broken rib. But the entire community gathers around, goes in, finishes the job for him, even comes out and plows his fields for him and their family, you know, and and the the kind of the message in that at the end, Laura is saying, you know, uh, that Paul harvested a crop that he didn't even know he planted a harvest of friends. And, And that's great. I think it's so important, you know, that as homesteaders that there's some reality in that, you know, that when there's a need, I've seen people come together, you yeah. know, and do things for folks in a, in a homesteading community that, you know, and I won't say it's just in homesteading communities that happens, but I think it's an important part of homesteading communities that you, 
Yeah, I think it's important in our lives, period, even if you're not a homesteader. But for homesteaders, we do a lot of labor and a lot of it is, you know, has to be done, especially if you have animals and it can't be neglected. And if somebody gets sick or a whole family gets sick, you really need that community to come in around you. Was it you that shared a video with me here a while back? Uh, There was something... um, it was something they were doing in a community, but it was, it was, it, they were doing something, making something. Uh, I was thinking it was you that shared it with me, but anyway, but what I, they were basically showing you, were, whoever showed it to me was showing me how fascinating it was that they were doing this one thing, but I wasn't as fascinated by that thing that they were making as by, it was an entire community of people coming together to do it. It was like this entire community that was I've, doing this. I do remember. Was yeah, it? I don't remember what it was. Video, it was about um, potato. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, was it pot- starch? No, starch. Yeah. And they were making noodles. Noodles. And, but it was like, they were making like a ton of yeah, it. It's from another country. And drying it. The whole community got together. Yeah, it was a community made- event. Yeah. And that was the most yeah. fascinating part of that was how the community came together to get this big job done, you know? And yeah, I thought that and was that's, really cool. they used to do that a lot. We just had mm-hmm. a local, um, we have this every year, there's a local thing called an old engine show that we have here. And they would do that a lot back in the day where they would, not everybody could afford these big old steam engines to, um, separate the wheat and the chaff and so they would bring these big old steam engines in and they would do everybody's harvest Mm -hmm. but it would go from farm to farm to farm and um i think that's you know that's where i've we've been talking about for the last year how you can't be an island we're kind of an interdependent community and there's a lot of people right now moving into communities because they have decided to relocate from the city to a suburb or um, more rural living to have a homestead. And I would say that's probably one of the most important things you can do to start is get involved in your local community and yep. get to know people. I agree. I agree. So, yeah. And I think it's just a, it, it's something the show uh, presented well because yeah. there was always people helping people in that show. Um, I mean, yeah. you've seen that there was just always a need which we'll go with our next thing I want to bring out. There's always a need. There's always a struggle. There's always something going on. And it always required help from a community to get through it. It seemed like most of the time that's where they were at, yep. um, which brings us to the next point, which is so a message I got from the show, whether they conveyed it well or not, and is be prepared for life struggles. Cause I would say a lot of times that show portrayed how they weren't prepared for life struggles and it made things way worse. Um, like we've seen crops getting wiped out by hail or a tornado at one point in the show. Um, we've yeah. seen, you know, sicknesses. Locusts. Um, what's, yeah, whatever. I mean, there's just, there's always or... something going on yeah, in this was. community that was just, you know, and, and but that's that life though, isn't it? There is always something going on. It, it might be the Japanese beetles coming in and wiping <laughs> out your crop, right? right? Or something. There's just always something going on and, and you just need to be prepared for life struggles and to be prepared for that. It's, you know, basic preparedness, I think is important, you know, in our lives, yeah. you know, have backups for things, have plenty of food on the shelves, have money in the bank. Even, you know, we've seen them struggle with money on that show, right and left. I mean, yes. It, uh, that was, was a huge just, or food like f- yeah. food security and food security. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we're not like the doomsday preppers on, you know, in our podcast, but we both do see the mm-hmm. wisdom in having 
having extra and being a little yeah. bit prepared. Yeah. And I would say sometimes that show presented them in a way that they weren't very prepared sometimes. Yeah, it was it a little bit like of a it. negative. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So I, I think it was something it taught us, but maybe because they lacked in it a lot of times. Yeah, it's interesting. So that show was like that. And going to talking about the books. The books didn't. Farmer yeah. Boy. Yeah. Was the exact opposite. Farmer Boy, which is would be eventually Laura's husband, Almanzo, yeah. was raised in his family farm. And that whole book is all about how much food they created and put in their pantry and yeah. um in their fruit in their cellar. And you know, and um so that's where the books varied a little bit with the and I think they did it, so, but then you probably put enough for a year, but then say something comes in and wipes out your entire crop the next year. Now, what do you do? Yeah. And a lot of times it was their cash crops too. It was grain they were going to yeah. sell to buy the things they want to put up. I mean, it well, just, I like, think I, the way I understood it was like, um, you know, Laura's family just really struggled from yeah. the beginning financially and yeah, I think so. with trying to find their their place and yeah and we'll um, definitely get into that as some of the points yeah. go on too about the financial stuff too because i think it's definitely in there something we can learn yeah from. they just seemed to struggle more but, yeah, and i, I guess there are yeah definitely a message that we get even if it's on the the lack of uh sometimes yeah. a message so um another thing that i think as much as we are fascinated by the old ways i think one of the things we can learn from that show is how blessed we actually are by some modern technology right because i love right. having a refrigerator i don't know about you a refrigerator, like refrigerator is really nice my freezers i really yeah, like my freezers nice. air conditioning right now <laughs> air conditioning for you right because now. you're protecting two pregnant does from yeah. this heat wouldn't be an option otherwise you know you yeah know, to turn a fan on on them you know you, you know, wouldn't have so and uh, i you know i love primitive things anything that's listened for a while knows that I enjoy primitive things, but um, I'm really thankful for the internet. That's yeah. just a huge blessing in my life. Yeah. Um, I am very thankful for my washing machine. Yeah, <laughs> That is just yes. the drudgery of cleaning clothing. I'm not going to lie. Keeping... I like turning a faucet on and having water yes. coming out. Yeah. I like that. You know, it's like to carry your buckets in and pour it in a tub and take a bath that way might be a unique experience to have every once in a while, but I don't want to be taking my weekly baths that way. It just doesn't And there like are people out there that yeah. live like that uh, and maybe enjoy it. Um, yeah. And that's good for them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. But, um, but I appreciate some modern technology. Yeah. I do. Well, um, and, and that's the thing is you can be. You can be a homesteader and still have the internet and you can, we can use technology to our benefit without it owning us. You know, there's things like um, automatic chicken doors and yeah. electronet fencing. Those are wonderful new inventions that I gladly will make part of my life. <laughs> but if there are some things you enjoy in the old ways, you can do those things and, yep. and have fun yep. with them and, and experience them. And it's okay, you know, if you like doing them. Um, but there's some things I, I just enjoy some modern things, you know, and, yeah. and that show can make you appreciate it. Like you see a little bit of that in the show going you know, on the background, you're going, yeah, that was thinking, you know, like they have an ice, you know, they go into town, they got the ice house, you know, and you buy a yeah. block of ice to, it's like, nah, I'm good, you know, or, 
and, and you know, there's like an episode where, you know, like there's meat that's going bad and people are eating it and they're getting sick. And, uh, you know, it's like, boy, refrigeration would have been nice, wouldn't it? You know? Um, so yeah, I mean, modern technology is awesome in a lot of ways. So it that is. show can prove modern technology also includes modern medicine. Yeah. I and mean, a lot of people will make that statement like, oh, I think I was born in the wrong century. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, there's things to enjoy about that for sure, but there's, you know, have a, have a toothache. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're going to talk about that later too, but you know, the modern having technology means that we have medications. They didn't yeah. have them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and well, I mentioned a few minutes ago about the, the finances and the struggles. And one of the things I learned from that show, and you can't help but notice it, is that debt can cause you some problems and should be avoided if possible. Because in yes. the very first episode that I'm talking about at Walnut Grove, one of the first things that comes out of Paul Ingalls' mouth is, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I like to pay for things on, you know, uh, up front, you know, I, yeah, I don't like to get do credit and I'll do that as soon as I get my first crop. So can you give me some credit right now? And every time in every show that he gets a loan or owes somebody something, something goes wrong and they can't pay it back and they end up in a situation. And it's just a lot of their tr struggles come from debt. And isn't the, the truth for most people, right? I mean, yeah. debt will cause most people some struggles. And it, if you can avoid it, it's just best to avoid. And that show shows the struggles of debt really well how it gets you in trouble you know even yeah. though they don't make it a a point in the show if you just got if you just open your eyes to the problems they're having in a lot of the shows a lot of times mm -hmm. it's because there was debt involved and they owe somebody and now they can't pay because or somebody can't like there's you know one episode where they can't uh paul ingles can't get paid working at the sawmill to pay off the the Olsons at the store because Hanson's mill can't, the people that owe right. them can't pay them. So yes, you know, it, it's just like this recurring problem of debt all the way around yes. and it just gets them in trouble and it can get anybody in trouble and it gets people today in trouble, even worse because it's so much easier to acquire. It is. It, I mean, yeah, it, that should be avoided at all costs. I realize that you can't, it's almost impossible to buy a home now without it, yeah. but there's debt that we can avoid. Yeah. The Dave Ramsey plans a pretty good idea. He, I mean, he's talking about house, you know, use debt for a house, you know, um, and then yep. save for a car, you know, and, and get out of debt on everything else. And I think that's pretty, pretty good yeah. idea, you know, cause it is hard to buy a house without, I mean, you, there's people oh, yeah. who do it, people do it. They buy a house, you know, with zero debt. And that's great if you can ever do it or if you have that belief and you stick with it. It can be done, but it's probably the only thing that's an appreciating value that really yes. would say, okay, it's worth having some debt on that. But for um, sure, like consumer debt with like bad. credit cards yeah, and credit stuff cards like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. People and get into going and doing the the uh, the paycheck um, loans. Oh, that stuff. becomes oh, such a vicious so circle because they yeah, charge so, so much money for those. And the same with credit card debt. I mean, some of those credit cards are 25%. I, um, I, know, I know a homesteader yeah. who was new to homesteading and they put a lot of stuff on credit cards to get started homesteading. And I was, I was mm, gritting my teeth going, oh, I didn't want to say nothing to them. But I mean, they're buying the seed for their garden on credit cards. And they're buying, you know, equipment they need on their credit cards. And I'm like, man, I, I just, 
I don't I haven't talked to him since. I don't know how it worked out for him, how it's working out for him. But uh, they they told me that he's like, well, we're just such a hurry to get into this. We want to just get started. And we don't know how much time we got because they, they kind of let fear drive him into it. And so they yeah. were just like credit card it just to get it going because they had fear of like the economy collapsing and things happening. And, you know, this was a couple of years ago when COVID was, you know, and it was had them worried right. and and they were just credit carding and everything, you know, putting everything on credit cards. And And I was. Uh, they started homesteading, but <laughs> I didn't think that was the best way to do it. So anyway, yeah. I think debt can definitely cause you some problems and the show portrayed that. <laughs> um, one thing we did see though, was that bartering is a great way to do business. And we've seen a lot of that in that show. You know, there was a lot of barter. There was barter with labor. There was barter with items, you know, uh, uh, Ma took her eggs every day into the, to Olson store oh, yeah. to, you know, to do trade barter for all. her cloth so she could make dresses that's right you cloth that, yeah. and sugar and flour they needed yeah. for cooking or do you whatever i think i think that was really commonplace then yeah i think so um, yeah but i think it's kind of having a little bit of a comeback i think so too yeah i i, I, think, I think i it's think it's a, really cool i think it's a good idea too i think it's something that can be beneficial and and um, especially on a local community, if you can get a lot of folks, you know, a lot of local businesses and things and, you know, a lot of farmers, because that's something that it, we're seeing happen a lot. A lot of homesteaders are starting home-based businesses on whatever they do. I mean, yeah. some of them, it may not even be directly homestead related. They might be running a a mechanic shop out of their garage, you know, or a welding shop out of their barn or, you know, or they might be doing some blacksmith work or they might be, we're seeing a lot of homesteaders do businesses on their homesteads yeah. that may not be necessarily directly homestead related, but they're doing homestead businesses. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And those services are definitely something that could be bartered, you know? Yeah, you can barter your time, just yeah. a time exchange, two hours of this for two hours of that. Absolutely. You know, I think that, um, I think the barter economy is definitely starting to come back for sure. And I, I, think, I so. think it's, I think it's a really good way to put value on people's time. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. And, I liked it. I remember an episode where she's taking her eggs into the store and yeah, and she's picking them up and looking at them, criticizing. Well, the brown ones aren't really as people don't really like those as well. And she's putting them back in the basket. And, and I love it. She just snatches her basket up and says, "Okay, I'll take them somewhere else." And she just takes off with them. Wait, well, hold right, on, hold right, on. Yeah. She was wanting to trying to talk her down on how much she was actually going to give her for them towards the bill, you know, towards her flour. And sugar. Well, that's always how the Olsons were. Yeah, I know. It's just they were the most entertaining. <laughs> but they, if it wouldn't have been for the Olsons, with the show been near as entertaining. Right. Right, right. Absolutely yeah. not. You got to have the Olsons. Um, but I loved that Ma went in there. And like you said, she got her sugar and her, yeah. uh, and her, not her eggs, and her fabric mm -hmm. just from her egg money. And I remember that being a thing. You read that in old journals all over the place if, of the egg money, yep. the egg yep. barter. Like eggs well, were like their own currency at a time. 
at that well, what's funny period, is, uh, period of time. People were people were pay, paying uh, Doc Baker with chickens. They were giving him like chicken yes. flocks because that's how the Ingles actually got their chicken flock. Was right in the beginning. He helps him fix a wheel on his wagon, and he gives him some chickens. <laughs> yeah, because he said people have been paying him with chickens, so he just pays him with the chickens, which I thought was kind of funny, you know. So yeah, yeah, we're we're just seeing this bar, like you said, barter economy just rotating around, which was kind of it's kind of fun, you know. And I think it's 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 really cool too, and and better than money in some ways, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that was a good thing about the show. You see a lot of that. Uh, something I noticed because. I'm a builder. I'm a fixer. I like to do things is that having tools is really important. And Paul is always carrying that, that wooden tool. toolbox that he made, you yeah. know, on his, he's got a shoulder strap and he's carrying it around all the time and he's fixing stuff and he's building stuff and, and he had his tools, you know, and the tools were really important. He built their house. He built their barn. Yeah. He built the fences. Yep. He built, you know, he's building everything. And he was always fixing a horse trailer or and something. And he was doing it for yep. other people and he was trading labor yep. for, you know, and, and making money and getting things because he had tools and he couldn't have done any of that without tools. And well, and, just, and Ma had her own tools. She had the cooking you know? tools. Yeah. The tools and her sewing machine sewing and, and her yeah. sewing. Yeah. Absolutely. Tools were a big part of that show. And, and without them tools, they wouldn't have been able to do the things they did. And, and, you know, and, and right off the bat, he needed a plow. That's a tool, you know, and he had to right. do some things to get that tool because that's how important that tool was to break that saw, to get that crop, to do the things. And, and tools are just a, an important part well, of the setting. For them, then, you know, their horse or their oxen were tools. Yes, and now for us, absolutely. it would be, you know, yeah. you might have a, maybe a tractor or, or something. Tractor yeah. Or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the tools I, I, are, for the most part, still the same, though, if you think about it. What the, what they do, yeah. Yep. It's just they're motorized. Yeah. We run off electricity. Right, here. yeah. We still need saws. We still need, mm-hmm. you know, bowls and knives. And yeah, yeah it's Absolutely. pretty wild. And I just love that they made that a big part of the show that they're, he show you'll see an opening scene. A lot of times Paul doing something with a tool, you know, and it just, they, or Ma doing something with a tool. And I always thought that was kind of neat how they would open up. It would be some old, you know, primitive tool that was used in that era. And, and it was a show off of how they could do how those tools operated during that time. And I just thought it was fascinating. And and we could do the same thing today with more modern tools, you know? And well, and you said I didn't add anything. So now that we're talking about this, I will add this. <laughs> 13 things. 13 things. <laughs> skills. Yeah. Well, the skills. Yeah. And the I thought about skills that. With the yeah. tools. The tools. They show that. A lot of these that. are do involve skills. So yeah. Kinda, that's why I was thinking it. But yeah, you got to have. Paul had, had skills, the skills to use those yeah. tools. Yeah. He had yeah. to have the skill. They all had to have skills. And homesteaders did. You did need to have skills back then. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, you weren't. A lot of them had a special skill. I would say. I would say carpentry work was Paul Ingalls' special. Pretty, skill. yeah, yeah, um, much. And and you know, were different ones had different skills, but I think most of them had the kind of jack of all trades skills. You know, you had yes. to be okay at a lot of things. Yes, as a homesteader back then, and I think it's even important today to have a variety of skills. You know, I think it's in it's important to have some carpentry skills and some, you know, uh, right. Uh, you know, building skills, mechanic and, and, skills, and mechanic skills, and, you know, be able to do a few things, you know, having your animal husbandry skills. And, you know, there's just things you, you need to, in a broad picture, that, you can I definitely think, specialize in some things though. Right. Sure. Yeah. Then I think it was imperative that you had. Yeah. 
that you were multi-skilled. Because if not, now I think you can get away. Yeah, now I think you can get away with maybe not having as many, but I do think that it's important, especially on a homestead. Like in regular, in normal life, I don't know if you need all those skills, but as a homesteader, it is really helpful. It, It helps you go back to the the one we just talked about it it helps you financially yeah yeah to to have some skills like if you can fix well, your lawnmower or you can fix something or you can build your own fence it certainly helps you go a long way with that financial you could have one great skill that provides for you yes. financially and use your finances to pay for those things i mean doc baker had one skill he was yeah a he was a doctor yeah you know and and so he had to pay or trade or barter his services for the things he needed done, you know, and, and, and so it happened then too, I'm sure as well, but just like today, you can make the money with that one skill to pay for the other things to get yeah. done. Um, but generally in homesteading, it's, it's yeah. a good thing to have a broad array of skills for sure. And, yes. and be able to do your things that you want to do. Um, so yeah, you do. That's a, you're right. It's a great point. We, we, that was something in the show that we see constantly and, yeah. yeah, Paul could do anything. He could do anything <laughs> except for save money, evidently, um, which we'll get back into here in a minute. Uh, frugal living was something I wanted to point out. Uh, frugal yeah. living and homesteading go hand in hand, and it did for them on the show. You see them living frugally. You know, they didn't have a lot of extra things. They had what they needed. They didn't yes. have anything else, you know, and they didn't have a lot of you didn't have closets full of clothes. They didn't have. You know, they didn't have all the extra things that. Right. Their places were small and modest. Their yes, homes were. Yeah. That, that is something I think frugality is huge. And it's not required in homesteading by any means. No. Um, I just think for a lot of homesteaders, I think it's a, it's something that they strive for because I think frugal living and homesteading equals simple living. And simple living equals slow living, and slow living is nice. <laughs> yeah, and when I, you're busy all the time. Now we have busy seasons for sure, right. but I'm not always busy. You know, wintertime is definitely a slow season, and and midsummer sometimes is a slow season. You know, and and you have some slow seasons, and that's a, that's a relaxing season. Um, and when you have too much stuff, and you're not frugal, there's not much slow season. Yeah. For me, anyway. You end up, well, you, uh, for me, you end up having to work a lot to keep things going if you're not frugal. Right. Um, So, yeah. To have a slow homesteading life and a simple homesteading life, you're kind of required to have a frugal homesteading life. So, you, and I think that you see some of that in that show, um, people living simply and having a slower life. To some degree, I mean, yeah, enjoying the enjoying the simple things, enjoying yeah, enjoying the, the simple things, the yeah. walk and the enjoying it. Like they did this a lot. They did a lot of picnics. You know, enjoying a picnic is a is a simple life thing that's frugal. And um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank on Mr. Edwards. Mr. Edwards, yes. had a really slow life because <laughs> yeah. he didn't require much. That guy didn't own hardly anything, and he lived real simple. Yeah. Especially early on before he got married and had a kid, right? They had an adopted kid, right? But in the early season, he was, he was a single guy. He's living super simple and he'd go around just helping out, you know, and doing things. And he had a super slow life and yeah. very frugal, very, very frugal life. Didn't require much of anything. Um, 
So yeah, you see a lot of that in the show. Um, this is one I thought you would uh, think a lot of because you, you we were talking about this the other day. Injuries and sickness cause some homestead struggles. Uh, yeah. So safety and health should be a major focus. And you see that in the show all the time. Yeah. Most of the drama yep. is either because somebody's Somebody. hurt or some kind of somebody's sick. And, yep. and it happens a lot in that show. And um, yeah, so, and I was thinking that, about that with Mary. I mean, Mary lost her eyesight. Yeah. Due to scarlet fever. And, um, but well, it like was, I was just saying, Paul yeah. broke his rib in the first episode. Yeah. Cause you know, yeah. uh, cause he's climbing a tree and being dangerous, you know, they didn't. And that's it, where I'm thankful for antibiotics. Cause mm. you know, but um, yeah, the safety is huge. And when you're using, we were just talking about, we're thankful for e- equipment and modern equipment, but a lot of that also requires that you be safe and have safety equipment. And, um, you know, chainsaws require safety equipment and but sometimes you just knife do stupid spills. things that you don't need to do too. And you can get yourself hurt. Yes. You should avoid doing stupid things. So you don't have stupid accidents uh, for the most part. And sometimes it didn't well, happen. Right. And the older you get, the more you think about some of these things. Like, yeah. um, I've stopped jumping out of the bed of the truck. Yeah. Yeah. I still like can. That. Right. I yeah. still can. But, but at almost 50, now. it's probably not a good idea. Number one. I'd probably be fine, but I can't afford a broken ankle or a sprained ankle. I don't have time for it. I, I still do those things. And then I, my knees remind me that I shouldn't be doing those things. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So now I take my time to get out of the bed of the truck instead of jumping. So, um, but, you know, an injury can set you back for so long and a sickness can. I mean, sickness, yeah. you can't do much about, but an injury, we could probably circumvent. Yeah. Sickness, you can. I mean, we've talked about that on here about eating healthy and living healthy, but sometimes sickness just happened. I mean, we just went right, through a, yeah. a period of a couple of years with sickness going around. So. Yeah. And back then it was even worse. I mean, there was things going around yeah. and they didn't have vaccines for and things that, I mean, things were just right. worse. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, no refrigeration. So there's a chance yeah. that there's spoilage and there's bad food and, you know, they just didn't more, know then what we know now. Yeah. yeah we just didn't know. And, we, but again, you could definitely get careless and and do things. You could not can something properly. You need to pay attention right. to those things. You need to make sure that you're doing things uh, in a in a right way, so you don't put yourself in a situation yeah. where you could get sick uh, or get hurt. You know, working on your homestead, it happens. I mean, I yeah. every oh, yeah. week I've got blood coming from a part of my hand or leg. You know, because I've done something. You know, got into something or you know. Um, okay. But it just happens, you know, so you try to be smart about it. Though. I, like, about I, it yeah. I got my I told I think I told you this story. I got my hoary hoary knife. And the first thing out of my husband's mouth was you're going to hurt yourself with that. It's a big knife. I cut myself the first day I owned it. Pretty sharp I, knife. I did not want to tell him because he was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's but, just, you, you know, know, it's the. That kind of stuff. I didn't get over very hurt, but, you know, just being careful, you know, with your knife skills and all of those, you know, all yeah. of that. 
Yeah. But, and, and just depending on what you're doing too. I mean, it's like, I can get poked with some chicken wire and it'll make you bleed, right. but it's not a major injury. You start messing with chainsaws. There's a whole nother level of, of being careful. Oh, yeah. There, yeah. You know? So yeah, it's just something that the show, you notice it because every episode nearly somebody's sick or hurt or something, you know, yeah. it's just like most of those shows have some kind of drama going on like that. So it's just something I noticed in those shows. Um, and it's a big message of the show is, and I think this is an intentional message of the show is that money doesn't equal happiness. And it's just true. You know, they didn't have money and they were happy. Right. The Olsons had the money and weren't happy all the time. You know, there are a lot of, not a lot of times yeah. they were very unhappy. Uh, and they make that a big point of the show, I think. So that was something they were trying to convey. And I think it is absolutely true. You know, I mean, it won't buy you, people say, well, we'll buy you back happiness, but it'll buy you a boat or buy you whatever, make you happy. Is there's true it, being broke? It will not necessarily make right. you happy either. Right. Yeah. But it, the money itself isn't what makes you happy. So, um, that's a simple and that's a broad message for beyond homesteading, but it is something the show just, I think, conveyed it's very, really well. Yeah, it was really and obvious. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a theme of the show because they were, there was an episode called The Richest Man in Walnut Grove. And it's talking about Charles Engel. He wasn't the, he wasn't the richest man by money, but he was right. viewed that As way. the richest man because he was happy. Because of that, he was, he was blessed in his family life. He was blessed you know, in their homestead and the way they done things is just everything that there was a lot of love in the family. And yeah, he was considered by Nels Olson, the richest man in Walnut Grove because of his life or it was because Nels had a crush on Carolyn and <laughs> maybe he was just, I don't know. It could have been, I don't know. That was the way they did shows in the seventies. So <laughs> maybe that one part of it. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> And I think another part of something we see that they try to convey, I think, a lot with with um, Paul Ingalls, with Charles Ingalls, especially, is having an enterprising mindset is helpful. And he was always, you know, in business, doing something, wheeling and dealing. He had an enterprising mindset. You know, he was he was a business in the show. He's a businessman, you know, I mean, didn't always work out well for him, but right. I mean, they were always looking for a way to earn some extra money doing this or. Yeah. Some kind of side you know. hustle. Somewhere. Yeah. He had side hustles going on. I think yeah. everything was a side hustle. I mean, he worked at the, 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 the mill, but it was only part time. I think everything was a side hustle. I think every money making yeah. Uh, venture was a side hustle. Yeah. The homestead, I think, was his main thing. Yeah. Yeah. So every word. Just having that mindset of um, turning things into an opportunity. Yeah. You yeah. remember the Christmas episodes where they would, uh, there was a couple of them, but the one in particular where they are all doing some kind of a side thing to buy gifts for the others that the others are doing this something, but it's, they're always giving up something or doing something. Yes. They were that, always very. That, yeah. but it ended up the other ones were like, for example, Laura was selling her, her horse to Nelly to buy stuff for the family, but they were getting a saddle for the horse. And yes. it was like this rotation thing. This it's like they were all, yes. each one of them were doing something. And then it was, but the other had given up the thing that that applied to. And I don't know, it was kind of funny, but it, it, side note. But again, they were going out of their way. They were figuring out a way to get what they needed, to get yep. what they And I think that is a, I think that's a homesteading mindset. You know, you figure out ways to get the things you need to, 
you know, unless you're just going to use credit cards and then it's out the window, but yeah, the, the right way to do it is really just figure out a way to do it. You know, figure out a way you, can you sell something you don't use anymore to get the thing you need, the one you want. Can you, you know, can you do a service? Um, you know, uh, can you make something and sell right. that? Or, yeah. I mean, you just think out, you try to think outside the box and you have an enterprising mindset. Um, and I think that's part of homesteading. I really do. And I think that show conveyed it well. I, I do too. Yeah. Um, I and see. I think a, a big message of the show and something I picked up on, even as a, as a kid is the homesteading life is much more than growing food. And that much more might be different for everyone for, for the, for the Ingalls family. Yeah. It was, it was faith and it was family and it, it was a lot mm -hmm. of things for others. It was different, you know, um, but it's much more than just growing food. You know, the for homesteading sure. life is, is all encompassing of your life and what you want your life to be like. And that can include a lot of things, you know, and, and it is for me. It's, I think you know, it's still that way. Yeah, yeah I, I see it that way. It's really not. If you look back at the history of homesteading, even outside of the Ingalls, I think it's still very much the same way. It's it's, you know, God, family, country. Yeah. And yeah. freedom. And um, I see that way still. Me, all those things intertwine in homesteading. You yeah, know, yeah, that's uh, what makes. And I think this a, they all play a part in it. Yeah, to me. Yeah, me, and I think that show the show showed that so much. Yeah. Um, the books that that theme is the same in the books too. Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the important it was in what was important for their family. Yeah, and they did it. I think it wasn't so much that Pa could not have found a different job, but he chose that job because it had made him available to his family yeah. and to his community. And yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, that you, that music was uh, coming from that was inspiration for your daughter, you know, their homestead had music in it, their homestead yes. had laughter in it and, you know, a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just that, all this stuff was part of their homestead. And I think it is like that for everybody. You know, it was like music isn't a part of my homestead, but it's part of your homestead. Um, but then there's things in my homestead that aren't part of, you know, homestead. It's like everybody's right, homestead yeah. is different. When I, when I use that term, it's not just the provision part of the homestead. It's the life. It's the homesteading life. It is. It's a and lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And and it, that lifestyle does, it looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And and for some faith is going to be a major part of it. And some it isn't. And right. for some, you know, uh, business is going to be a huge part of it. And some right. isn't. And so, I mean, it's just, it's just, that is different for everybody, but in for everybody, it's so much more than just growing food. Yeah. So I don't know anybody that it's just about the feeding themselves. But I think when folks on that aren't homesteaders look at homesteaders, they think it's about growing food. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's and, hard to explain what it's about though. Yeah. Because it's um no matter what it is for you, it is a it's a it's a mindset and it's a it's not something that you can really it's yeah. a, at least for me, it's not something that I can really describe. You can define homesteading, and then I think you go beyond that with the homesteading life, uh, yeah. because you know there, I think homesteading is 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 about self sufficiency, sustainability. You know, it, it really is, and all the things that can contribute to that. But then when you add it to your life, it's just you know the life brings in so much more of it. I I don't know. It is a it is a thing that's hard to totally put words to put words to. Yeah, but yeah. it's. 
it is bigger than just growing food. Absolutely. It's bigger and, to me than yeah. self-sufficiency and sustainability. Um, there is more to yeah. it. And it's I think about we can family, all, you know, yeah. And, and, and we can and all individualize it and make it ours and still call it homesteading. Yeah. Like that whole idea that it can't be a homestead if <clears throat> I don't think, I think it can be a homestead. It's, yeah. it's a state of mind. It's, it can be uh, about preparedness. It can be about legacy and leaving something yeah. for your children. And that's why we say you can things. do it. I mean, that's why I believe you can do it in the city. You can do it in an apartment. You can do it on a hundred acres. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a mindset. It's a, yeah. yeah. I think so too. So those are the 12 plus one uh, things you can, uh, you can, uh, that you can get that I got rather that we got from, from, you know, yeah. watching little house on the prairies. Now I want to go watch it. It's raining out and I want to just watch. It. Yeah. I, I actually watched one episode today. When I was Did you really? I was this morning. I got up. I was like, "Hey, we got this. We're going to talk about this today." I said, "I'm going to kick up an episode and watch it." And I just threw one up, and that's why I brought up the first one a couple times that that Walnut Grove because that's the one I watched. Yeah, I must kind of kind of hit it for me. I must say, I still have all of the books on the list that we. Well, that being said, we did put some links in here for the nine volume a book set that you can get. Uh, yep. for Little House on the Prairie, uh, for the Little House rather, and then the Little House House on the Prairie, the complete series on DVD. Right now, you can watch it. I think for free on Amazon. I think, I think they do so. that, that freebie yeah. or whatever. I think you can watch it on that for free. Um, so go, yeah, watch it. Um, you added some other stuff in here. Um, well, there's a when we did this. So where my kids, we really got into this, <laughs> and um, and it just kind of sucked us in. And so we read the books and then we, there's a little house cookbook. So we cooked some of the stuff in it and there's little house sewing book and little house craft book. And we did that. And then there's a, there's something we homeschooled, which a lot of people know. Um, And we did something called the Prairie Primer, which is actually, I guess, kind of hard to find. So the link for that's pretty long, but um, the Prairie Primer was a homeschool curriculum around built around the little house series. And uh, it was pretty fun. You even dissected a buffalo eye. That's crazy. Yep. That's yep. fun. So it yeah, did science stuff. and everything. So it was a lot of fun. We um we really enjoyed it. And you you you've uh, you're obviously a Laura Ingalls Wilder fan. I mean your yeah. your website is actually partially yes, inspired by that uh, rewilderlife rewilder life is a play on her last name yeah 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 so you're yeah. this is obviously something she had a, just a massive it. impact on on myself and our family i think the show yeah. i mean it's it took me years to maybe even realize it but the show i think made a huge impact on me growing up even though we were doing a lot of the things we were we were home i mean we were homesteaders i mean we really were yeah. i mean i didn't we didn't call it that or anything or even recognize it as that but we were, we had chickens and pigs and gardens yeah. and we're doing the yeah. things and, you know, and, and we were homesteading in a lot of ways, but I think the show probably even instilled more of the desire for taking it further than what our homestead ever did. I think the popularity of the books and the TV show still to this day show the impact that it had on an entire generation of I people. wonder, you know, that the back to the uh, land movement happened. You know, during that time, it when that did. Out. I wonder You're if right. that show was a major inspiration for that or motivation for that. That is, that's could have been, could have been. Yeah, it could have um, been. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was. It was just a. 
I, I enjoyed the show. I still enjoy the show occasionally. Watch it. I don't watch. I haven't watched it for years other than today. I just kind of kicked one up. But I just remember it being a fond part of my childhood that just did something for me, that put something in me that to this day is still there, you know? And I think there are lessons. I had to think about it a little bit. Like, what did I really get from that? And I was, as I was putting those kind of things together. And uh, yeah, I think I did get all those things from that show and probably yeah. a lot more that I don't even know. Oh, you know? probably. Because we the were- show wasn't about homesteading. It, it was just, no. it was just in the background happening and yeah. you picked up on it, you know? So yeah. This little it, town. And yeah, yeah. that, uh, we, as we were kicking around show subjects to do for today, when you mentioned that, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> and I think it has been fun. So it, it brought back to my mind, a lot of the episodes, uh, that I was just sitting there it's thinking It's been about so long. I need to watch some, and, we, uh, I think I think I've more recently read the books. And of course there's many books after that too, that were written, but um, yeah. And I've, fun see, I've read a few by a week, sit down and watch an episode just to, yeah. just to kind of be reminded of, or just skip through and find the ones that you, that they look really good to you and just watch those or something. I mean, there's some that are in there that are really well, good. And they're also wonderful thing. It's a wonderful show that you can watch with your kids or grandkids. That's wholesome. Yeah. And um. Yeah. There's some good life lessons in there. There is. Yeah. Other than, I mean, if, beyond homesteading, there's just some good life lessons in there about integrity and, um, and just, you know, just being a good person and, you know, helping others and and a lot of things. There's a lot of lessons in there. You know, there's a lot of pickles that these kids get into that they wouldn't get into if they weren't doing something wrong. And so it kind of teaches you a lesson. Don't do those things. Right. Right? I mean, it's just, it's just a good show. So. It is a good family show. So I think that's all we have for that today. You have anything you want to add? No, I think that's it. Well, folks, I hope you got something out of it. I mean, we didn't really teach you anything about homesteading today, but hopefully we inspired you uh, that that you could go back and maybe watch some little house and be inspired further to, uh, you know, kind of dwell on some of these things and let them uh, I, here, here. I'm the type of person that just on the last note here that I benefit more from inspiration and motivation than I do from education. I know that seems weird because I'm the kind of guy I can figure something out. You know, I'll just look at something long enough. I kind of figure it out, but I don't want to go figure it out if I'm not inspired and motivated. Right. Yes. So I I need something to inspire me and motivate me a lot, you know? Uh, So it's why I, watch a lot of YouTube or read a lot of books or, you know, they're not even things that I'm learning because it's stuff I already know, but I'll watch these things to be inspired and be energized to get out and get after it. And, and it helps me. It actually does motivate me and get me up and get me moving. And so I think an episode like this today is about that. You know, this is a tool that can do that. It can motivate you, get you excited about the lifestyle and, get you doing things that maybe you never did before or that you maybe didn't you've lost some of your joy for doing them because it just feels like a burden of labor instead of something that you've forgotten you enjoyed a show like this can set you on fire for that again it really can it does me i do think and and we have to we have to have fun and have some enjoyable downtime too so that's right there you go so well folks that's all i have for you today and until next time happy homesteading god bless and grow where you're planted. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. 
The rat race I wanna flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free It's a modern homestead Build a modern homestead A lot of folks don't understand Why I wanna live this way They've never eaten from their land Like we do here every day Snapping beans like grandma did Sitting on her from pool hunting and fishing like a kid once you've done all of your chores it's a modern homestead build a modern homestead country or city there's a way to make this change you gotta start today 